podcast here coming in had a week 11 right here post trade deadline where to even begin where to begin it was a good week i think for everybody for the most part um exciting week as far as the matchups go and everything that way and um i guess i'll just start with a couple notes uh, a couple notes that i had um revisions as you may say from the the previous pod um mostly that i wanted to talk about or i kept saying that maxwell had Le'Veon bell which is something that I'm going to reinforce here over the next little bit because Strom Carter has Le'Veon Bell, the curse of Le'Veon Bell, which is now going to be something I'm going to track on the podcast for the next couple of weeks um, because Strom lost, um, as I was hopeful in my prediction. But anyway, um, here we are, post-trade deadline. Um, thoughts on the trade deadline? Well, it was very active. Uh, Maxwell pointed out in the, in the Slack the other day that everything kind of died right after for being a very um, back-and-forth um or I guess, you know, notification-heavy um, lead chat for the last couple of days. Sorry, I'm blanking on how to even describe the, what we have right here. I used to call it Slack, but it's not Slack anymore. Um, and so, yeah, we got a lot of trades, a lot of, a lot of movement around. Um, trade winners, I don't know. I guess maybe anybody who won this week because we're coming down to the wire. Uh, anybody who, who won on week 10. Uh, and made a trade essentially is, is the trade winner um but then at the same time we got uh, we've got a couple of um interesting trades a lot of people um i think i kind of talked about this last week too a lot of people um are in an interesting position and this is something that maybe we should consider moving forward um uh, for good for i i gotta watch how i phrase this right here because i think it should stay personally um but up until this week, excuse me. Um, basically, everybody still has a chance to make the playoffs, um, especially through this week, except for um, me and Josh. So we have 12 teams that are really have a somewhat decent shot to making the playoffs. As I talked about on the podcast before, Taylor was kind of a, a stretch to make it, and then he ended up losing this week, unfortunately, for Tay. Um, and then everybody else kind of has like a, um, a decent shot. I mean, odds-wise... Um, the further down you get, obviously, it gets a little more hairy. But there still is a feasible way for everybody to make the playoffs outside, even for Taylor. If he if he would have kind of ran through, he could have got he could have got in. Um, Taylor who has had more points scored on him than anybody else in the league this year. Um, but after that, yeah. So basically, one through eleven still has a realistic shot to get in the playoffs. What does that mean? So, um, what does that mean in terms of how we're playing now? So that was a, a, a lot of the stuff that I was talking about last week with the dynasty discussion is what do we do with these new pieces? What do we do with these these draft picks and, and leveraging draft picks? Because where it's going to get interesting right here, um, there was a little pushback on this, so I do need to get um, a guest on here with me. Why haven't I done that yet? It's kind of hard to kind of coordinate um, time zones, as always, and availability, as always. And um, 
and sometimes the podcast can be a little sporadically recorded when I have availability. Um, and now that I'm a couple hours ahead of everybody, that doesn't necessarily match up well. But anyway, um, what I wanted to say is, yeah, so um, something that Josh kind of mentioned to me too, and I mean, I've been meaning to ask Josh to clarify this, um, about win now pieces with these rookies. So what does that mean? So I've been saying um, on the pod that as far as like rebuilding your roster and moving forward, um, the primary way that we're going to do that now is um, through these rookie drafts and through rookie drafts and everything that way. Partially because of um, how we're going to hold everybody over. And so what does that mean? Um, What am I trying to say? So with the... With carrying these pieces over like this, yeah, so the, the main way of getting new talent without giving up talent, if that makes more sense, is going to be through these rookies. There could be a chance, you know, as I, I discussed before with, like, the Austin Eckler comparison, that, you know, some free agent guy or some guy kind of comes around later in the year or later in their career uh, and becomes a valuable fantasy piece. But that's not a given at all, as we know, and can be kind of hard to uh, predict sometimes. Um <clears throat> but yeah, so well anyway, that's the question I had for Josh is so Josh's main main pushback was that um the stuff that or even as far as the process goes, I'd have to get him on here to clarify further because it just makes it muddies my own perception of the process, I'm gonna admit right here. But his thing was that um it doesn't necessarily they shouldn't necessarily be be viewed as the win now pieces next year either. Or somewhat around that, or, or you know, these are something you can you can build on um, over time. You know, teach their own. You know, I actually listened to a podcast this morning with Bill Simmons talking about the process, and Sam Hinkie, uh, the GM for the Sixers, that started the process, and he just said he used to always hear about um, all these GMs around the league that would get um, really frustrated that they were getting fired after one losing season and Sam Hinkie was over there in Philadelphia talking about where they would be six years from now if they started this losing process and everything. Um, as I mentioned way back in the day, that we are at that six point or the six year mark now, now um, for them. Um, if you want a live update on the quote unquote process or the hashtag process, um, from an NBA perspective, if you even care, you know, it didn't work. Um, but then at the same time, um, the super team won anyway with the, with the Lakers. So that's why the NBA is annoying. Um, and yeah, they've, they've now brought in the Houston Rockets, uh, coach slash GM, um, Daryl Morey and, um, or he was just the GM, but anyway, he's the, he's the guy that, that wanted to play small ball, whole different thing. I don't know. I don't need to dig into this right here on the podcast because I know most of the league doesn't even care about the NBA, but, uh, but now we have our own version here in our league with um, Mushoa. So, Josh, what does this mean? What are you trying to say? What is what is the plan here? I do want to bring you on to clarify. I'm publicly asking you to come on the podcast in front of everybody to to expound on this uh, this thought process even more. Uh, do you, is he going to want to? I don't know. I don't know. He seems to be the only one to do it. But it does kind of circle back to what my original point. I'm sorry that I just did it on a giant circle right there. But um, anyway, we've now made it to the trade deadline and. Um, everybody's still in contention. So what does that mean for both these long-term picks and for the rest of the year? So, <clears throat> and what does it mean at this point moving forward? What's going to happen right here? That's the part that makes it interesting. So anyway, 
I think collectively, this is where I have a, a weirdness with Josh, and this is the whole point of me doing that giant backstory right there. I think collectively, we all want to win the league. You know, everybody wants to have a chance at the Bruce Adams, the formerly known trophy, formerly known as the Bruce Adams Allen Ray Award, now known as the Joseph Adams Memorial Award. Say that three times fast. Um, and that's kind of what we've all been playing for since the beginning of the league is for a, a chance to win at this. And, you know, that's something that we've always talked about on the podcast. There's only been two people that have won it twice. Josh is one of them. Brad is the other. And there are a whole slew of people who have never won before, um, which is part of why the league's so fun. And it's something that um, it just kind of has that. that um, another interesting twist in the league is, the, is how hard it is to win year over year. And that's the kind of thing that we've always talked about on the podcast is you just need to make the playoffs um, and then anything else can happen. Everything else is crazy. Matchups rule all. Fantasy doesn't follow very many rules as far as what should happen. And, you know, I'm preaching to the choir right here with all this. But that's just something that I think um, needs to be considered when we reach trade deadlines and stuff like this and when you're leveraging your future. What do I mean by that? So, you know... Basically, me and Josh were the only teams that were actively playing for the future. And up to this point, I guess kind of how it's already worked out, we've already kind of leveraged a lot um, of our, our win-now pieces um, up to this point. I think Josh and I um, have both kind of checked out, sold out um, weeks in advance um, to this point. That's, there's been much discussed on the podcast. Taylor still kind of wanted to squat on what he had, um, I didn't necessarily make any big moves, um, which is the interesting part. So basically, Taylor was in a was in a position where he could still feasibly <clears throat> make the playoffs, but he didn't want to leverage his future for it. I'm assuming, you know, where Taylor was probably not the best idea to start selling all your draft picks when you still have long shot odds. Tyler, on the other hand, um, you know, he did give his first round pick for Joey Bosa. Um, still an interesting thing. We'll see how that works out. Um, actually, more on that later, but. But what does that mean moving forward? What should he be doing? What should he have done that? You know, and that's that's the kind of like the theoretical question I think we should be asking ourselves when we reach this point at the time of year. You know, so what is it going to happen if if Tyler wins the league? It doesn't matter. You know, that's the thing. That's where it's the where it cuts down. Where it's going to be really hard right here is that, you know, Tyler could go on a tear right here. His team could get healthy. He could tear through. The, he could make the playoffs. Tear through the playoffs. Become league champion. Then so what if he if he doesn't have a first round pick next year? He now has the trophy for a year. And gets to reevaluate. You know, that's the should be the end goal. You know, I guess it's like, yeah, it's cool to have assets and it's cool to have these long term pieces, but if you're not winning the league, what are you doing? You know, that's my thing with Josh. That's why I wanted Josh to come on here to clarify. If we're playing for three years down the road, cool I guess, but you just burned three years when you could have won the league. That's how I view it. You know, he views it differently. That's why I wanted to clarify. Anyway, and that's kind of the point of what I wanted to say. So if that makes sense. I know I rambled a lot right there. So let's just reiterate. So we have the trade deadlines. I think week 10 is a good week. I think this is a good time to have the trade deadline. Um, I think we do need a trade deadline. You know, um, Shire talked about having a potential like a hard freeze on rosters. I think it's still, we should still have um, waiver wire potential. You know, the, um, this year's going to get a little wonky too. I know the Raiders, like defense is potentially on the COVID list right here. That would be really devastating to potential playoff teams and different things if we, you know, hard froze the rosters and then they couldn't maneuver. Talking from experience right here, you know, of how of how delicate that can be. 
um, when you lose the majority of your, <clears throat> or you lose a giant chunk of teams um, and a giant chunk of, of players you otherwise would be starting. Um, it's really hard to kind of do that on short notice, especially without trades. You know, mine was done. I tried to, when the Titans and the Steelers, this is a refresher, when the Titans and Steelers were canceled the first game, the first time around, <clears throat> and the Broncos, um, I lost, you know, a solid chunk of my team. I actually couldn't even fill a full ro- a full lineup, so I had to make some trades <clears throat> with the Mr. Brad Cooks and, you know, what the follow home with what happened there. But, um, yeah, I did have to actively make a lot of moves just to get a full roster and that would be very unfortunate for somebody to get into the playoffs and have something like that pop up and have them lose because of it i will say i would i would feel some compassion for that person um to a point but um at the same time that also involves us having frozen rosters because they could still pick up waivers and different things like that if they were trying to win in those moments um and so anyway, that's where I'd, I'm hesitant to like do like a hard freeze, um, at least during the season. Maybe after the season, I think it would, it's not a bad idea um, to do a hard freeze for maybe like a couple weeks at a time, if that makes sense. You know, I, I just think, I guess it just depends on how we want to play. Because, you know, if somebody wants to stay continually active through the offseason, uh, follow player movement and everything like that, should they be awarded for doing that? Should we kind of make it fair and, and you know reincorporate the waiver system? We should probably talk about when we're going to reinforce um, the fab money. You know, I I think that's something we've never really clarified, and and kind of what our what our long term <clears throat> off season um, acquisitions looks like. So I'm actually going to make a list right here as I'm actively thinking about it. Uh, things I want to talk about. Where are we at in this podcast? Thirteen minutes. Okay, I'm saying this right now. I'm going to wait till this gets to thirteen thirty. So I can get a clear thing on my recorder. It's going to be a little bit different when I add music to this. But I do, this is speaking officially again as the league commissioner, I do want to bring up off-season stuff before the off-season this year. Um, the example I just used with the, like, the, the, the waiver freezing and the roster freezing is more of a COVID-related issue. We can re- revisit that later. Um, that's just why I would be hesitant to do it now, but I don't know if that's a long-term issue, so it's something we can we can discuss. But there are other things <clears throat> that I did want to discuss with the league. Um, just this league, league sources um, reached out to me and said that there has been some potential interest in adding QB hits, points for QB hits, um, to the IDPs, which is an interesting thing for me. You know, I personally am all about adding more power to IDP. We already play with a... IDP heavy custom scoring anyway, so if that wants to pass, I think that's a good idea, um, and it should help kind of. I think it's actually a good idea since we re- removed sack penalties. I think it does go well to help kind of offset adding that much more power to the QBs to um, give defensive linemen that extra little nudge of, of QB hits. We can probably break it down. I'd, I'd probably want to look some. Um, stuff up on get some actual numbers on it before we we like add like a, a an amount to it if that makes sense um, and just kind of kind of decide like how um, beneficial it is in actual NFL before we add a, a score to it if that makes sense this is something this is like kind of behind the scenes stuff we first got to decide if we want to do it or not then we got to decide how we got to do it and I think that's the the biggest thing of why I want to 
um, <clears throat> start bringing stuff up before we get into the off season, because I think there's a lot of stuff we still need to kind of reevaluate or reconsider based on um, what we're now seeing in the league, what maybe wasn't as as we're seeing before. And obviously, there's some other stuff that's come up throughout the year that we probably should revisit again. Um, anyway, so that's number one, adding some um, QB hits. Uh, number two, waiver moves in the offseason, how we're going to handle that. Number three, fab money, when it's going to happen, how we're going to handle that. Kind of ties back into that one I just said. Roster sizes, gonna, I've visited that and, and how we're going to revisit that. I'll do a breakdown on that later because that one I have the idea that it's going to get a little, uh, a little dicey. But anyway, I wanted to bring all this up while everybody was still active and playing. We'll probably do that through the playoffs right here. And the podcast could get very, you know... Political? I don't know if political is the right the right term to use right here, but we could we could um, as far as the the back and forth on this, there uh, this is basically going to become the twenty four hour news of what running back fantasy football Premier League, um, depending on how things go right here, um, with a lot of the back and forth, which is fine, which is fine, entertaining for me. But uh, anyway, anyway, I'm almost twenty minutes in right here. Um, that's my that's my rolling rant for now. Um, so let's look back. back at week 10. A couple things that um, I mentioned before um, with these teams on the bubble. T- obviously, Taylor needed to win. Um, we can just start right there. Taylor needed to win last week. Tough break for Tay. Tough break for Tay. You know, went against Nathan. Um, you know, Wentz wasn't good for Nathan, as I'm just looking at Nathan's team. Interestingly, interestingly enough, um, that was a very winnable match for Tay. Um, as far uh, maybe one fifty, yeah, that's an easy one to be. I would be. I would be Nathan last week. Um, maybe that should be the, the gauge of how good somebody is, is whether or not my team would have beat them last week. Maybe that's the metric I'm going to use as your last place team. Um, coming back right here, I mean, he got a goose egg from David Njoku. He didn't have a good day from Carson Wentz. Didn't have a good day for Fournette. Um, not really. Not really anything stands out on um, his roster as out of the ordinary, except for. DeAndre Hopkins was technically would be not out of the ordinary of having 23 points. Um, yeah, and, you know, Nathan won, wins by 23 points. You know, is what it is. So, tough break, Tay. Tough break as I look at Taylor's thing. Um, you know, needed to win. Curtis Samuel really let him down. That's a rough one. Um, Cameron Hayward, 1.5. That's rough from a defensive lineman. So, yeah, Taylor, there you go. This is something that probably would have helped Taylor right here. Um, especially since Khalil Mack and Miles Garrett had double-digit points for for Nathan this week, so a little little defensive lineman bump um, could have been beneficial um, for Taylor in his quest for the offseason right here. Um, I'm sorry, I probably should have been a little bit more prepared to say look at these, but uh, yeah, and Patrick Holmes was oh yeah, all the Chiefs were on by. So Taylor in a must-win didn't have the Chiefs. I think that's the biggest the biggest route right here. So tough break for Tay. You know, what can I say? What can I say? I don't think a 6-7 and seven team is going to make the playoffs this year, given the amount of teams that we have left that are still already at six wins. Um, or, right, or right there behind six wins and they play each other. So, tough break for Taylor. One week after the trade deadline removed. But, you know, so Taylor's going to, got to kind of decide how he's going to um, move into next year right here. And, I mean, he's just kind of stuck pat. You know, Nathan gets his seventh win. He's in the playoffs. He's kind of, you know, he's good for whatever. So, congrats to Nathan, I guess. But, 
is what it is. Um, next thing that we had um, moving over from last week was beating Josh, who has, you know, somehow placed himself into <clears throat> um, the spoiler mode of the league, which is just hilarious to me that Josh, you know, basically decided to take this year, you know, throw this year for, to the wind and, and move forward with the future in mind, and now has put himself in a very real position to play spoiler. Um, to Josh's credit, Josh scored 175 points, 174 technically, but he's really up there, and um, good for you, you know, that's good, like, generally, that's that's a good thing, you know, DeAndre Swift had a big day, Lamar Jackson, you know, was good, DJ Moore went off, you know, lots of good pieces coming around, Michael Pittman Jr., you know, had a big day, you know, all these kind of guys, he had a real good day, you know, what's this, I can't remember how to say this guy's name, Kwiatkowski, 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 um, the IDP, you know, linebacker coming in for 20 points, you know, that's always nice when you get a, a big swing right there from the linebackers. Um, but yeah, good day for Josh, you know, 175. On the other side, Richens, um, weirdest fantasy team in the league, maybe 110. One of the worst, um, I think maybe one of the worst, one of the worst weeks of the year. I, I mean, 110 is pretty bad. Definitely the worst, the worst team this week. Um, I saw a stat this week somewhere that Michael Thomas has yet to score in total points this year his per-game average from last year. Whew! Whew! It's brutal. It's brutal. I don't know what that is, but, I mean, probably double digits, but it's bad. It's bad for Tyler, you know. And that's what's so interesting. Um, I'm, I'm going to ramble right here, too. Um about playing in Dynasty, this is something that's been on my mind right here for a little while. You know, when you get players like, you know, ironically, well, I've thought about these two personally because I, Tyler got both Michael Thomas and Julio Jones from me. Um, so if you'll recall, last year, Michael Thomas, record-setting year, was great on my fantasy team. Really enjoyed having him on there. I decided to keep Derrick Henry instead because running backs are so much more valuable, as we all know. Um, used that opportunity to give Tyler, who did not have a first-round pick, Michael Thomas, or I can't remember what he was doing. Maybe he wanted Michael Thomas instead. But, um, you know, give him Michael Thomas. And um, at the time, it felt like a good decision for Tyler because obviously Michael Thomas was the wide receiver one, um, projected wide receiver one. Everybody was saying that he was a top-five pick anyway. And this is kind of how it shakes out. Obviously, that has not been the case for this year. Here we are in week 11, and obviously, you can't project injuries, you can't project suspensions, um, or just, you know, rough play when he does play. And what does that mean for Tyler? You know, so um, I think all of us at some point in time, I definitely have, um, have felt kind of, quote-unquote, shafted by these players that are supposed to be these big hitters on your team or the ones that are kind of, as far as, like, um, how am I phrasing this? So, like, I guess, like, with how we play with the keepers moving to this point, like, especially if you kept someone or um, you were hoping that you were going to get, like, first-round value out of somebody, you know, these kind of things that can swing the league back to that top-five pick discussion that we that was on the last pod, you really want those players to do well and to um, kind of stand out a little bit, obviously carry your team, you know, as we've mentioned before. And so... You know, somebody in the top five overall, like Michael Thomas, um, should have been somebody like that. You would hope that Michael Thomas has a year more similar to what Devontae Adams is doing right now versus what he's where he's where he's at right now. And because um, yeah, he's not doing anything for Tyler. That is a wasted pick. 
you know, that's what's so frustrating about it. And he's got Julio Jones, which isn't as bad as Michael Thomas has been, but is the same way. I wouldn't say he's doing – actually, maybe he's closer, but he's still not as dominated as maybe some people would hope he would have been for what his draft value costs. Anyway, just because I always equate everything back to keeper costs and everything like that and, like, how different players are weighted um, by how they score in fantasy – um, something about being in a dynasty means that now, like for Tyler, as far as like if we had to go next year, it's in all likelihood Julio and Michael Thomas are going to be first round projections again. So if we were playing a keeper league, Tyler would have to pick which one he wanted, and Tyler would have to pick whether he wanted to risk it again to keep both to keep one of the two, or not keep either of them and get somebody else. So anyway, did Tyler waste a year with Michael Thomas and Julio Jones? You know, if we were moving to a keeper, then yes, it was a lost year. But because of how Dynasty works, you know, Tyler gets a chance to keep both of them now. And if they can turn it around and get better, he has two valuable assets. You know, so good for Tyler. Interesting thing. Interesting thing that, to watch in our league moving forward. That's what I wanted to rant about. So I think that these kind of like big time players that don't pan out um, fantasy wise, like we would hope them to do, um, kind of works out a little bit. Um, in a dynasty setting, which is just kind of makes it interesting, makes everything interesting, you know, um, as I'm now thinking about it, you know, talking about these draft picks and everything that way, that's why kind of like trading draft picks and these future picks, uh, for players like that in a win now attempt, um, could actually be a good thing as well, you know, as far as like Tyler, prime example right here. So Tyler now has, you know, a rough year with Michael Thomas, he has a rough year with Julio Jones. Maybe makes the playoffs, maybe misses the playoffs, whatever. Now we're assuming that he's, he's not going to win the league is basically what I'm saying. Um, he did leverage his picks to get them, but does that mean he's hurt long-term? No, because then, you know, if they bounce back, he's in a very good spot to win next year. You know, is what is the likelihood that somebody, that he's going to get not one, but two wide receivers that... Um, if they both have, like, good, healthy years, I know that's hard to predict, as always. Or even just, like, if they perform to their average that we've seen throughout all of their careers and that we're capable of doing, obviously, you know, age, it's going to trend it down a little bit. Still, what are the odds that Tyler would have ended up with two rookies that could do that? Um, or get some guy off the waiver wire that could do that? Probably not very high, you know. I'd have to, like, look at the numbers. But I think just off the top of my head, um, Jefferson, maybe Claypool are the ones that are that would even be close. Um, yeah, and so it's like, yeah, as far as like Tyler goes, as far as like putting himself in a position to win um, short term, yeah, he's better off using those um, picks to get those kind of like the earlier weighted um, rankings guys, if that makes sense. If you pick up one and put it down, I feel like I'm rambling a lot on this one. I don't mean to, but that's kind of my thought process on that. And something I think we need to kind of like consider as we're just trying to determine, you know, what are these picks worth? What is, what is, what is this going to mean? Since we're kind of stabbing in the dark right here. But anyway, Tyler lost to Josh. Unfortunate. Unfortunate for Tyler. Good for Josh, I guess. Um, and yeah, so now Tyler is in a very bad spot as far as um, the playoffs go. Um, other interesting one, you know, Jason beat Dan. Dan needed to win. That, that was a rough one. Uh, kind of came down to the, I think, old Drew Brees. And the mysterious injury um, that ended up being a significant injury really hurt Dan, um, or otherwise would have won, which is just funny how um, 
Jason kind of lucked out that way. Because, again, yeah, 155, 147, I would have beat both these teams. Not a good week for either of them. Matchups rule all. Jason ended up getting this one. Uh, moving up a little bit, same with Brad and Jason. This one was interesting because we had, you know, the much hype Dalvin Cook, who I talked about at length on the podcast before, the week before. Um, was Jason's last guy. Seemed like he, w- he was going to have a chance to really run away with it. But what happened? Um, Dalvin Cook had an average day. Let's pull it up. I'm just scanning these. Um, 12 points for Dalvin Cook, which isn't, you know, quote-unquote bad. But, yeah, uh, Wayne Gallman outscored him with a good day of 18 points. And then Nab Brad's running backs, Antonio Gibson and Josh Jacobs went through down. Um, but, anyway, because Dalvin Cook just had a decent day, Jace lost. So, um, and, yeah, I did look at it. I played Jace this week. I'm more on that later. Um, I will say that I think Jace's team isn't as bad as I made it seem last week. Now that I look at it top to bottom because I'm facing another matchup. Um, still isn't necessarily good, quote-unquote good, as in, like, league contending good, like Devin or Nathan. Um, but it's not bad. It's not, not quote-unquote bad. So, um, what else we got that I haven't talked about? Um, oh, yeah, speaking of Devin, he beat Jay. Jay didn't have the magic this week. Um, 142. He could have beat Devin because, yeah, Devin had only 173, kind of a low-scoring week all the way around the league, except for a couple people. Um, is what it is. Jay's still on the hunt. Devin's clearly a playoff team. Um, if not the outright league um, favorite right now. I mean, yeah, I was looking at his points court right here, and he's um, the league leader and everything that way. So um, anything else they got to really talk about? Not really. I think that's everybody. Um, everybody's been, been mentioned for the most part. Or I guess um, other than <clears throat> Landon beat Strom, you know, I, I mentioned last week that I was hoping that Strom would be the six and three or six six and yeah they were all six and three six and three team to lose last week uh, but, and yeah as already referenced the curse of Le'Veon Bell you know it's a real deal could it be a real deal I'm gonna definitely believe it's a real deal if Strom loses out of the playoffs right here so we'll see what happens with that good for Landon to kind of get the must win right there uh, moving on so anyway week eleven week eleven. Um, some interesting matchups. Just a quick glance. So I just wanted to count. I probably should have done this before. Um, let me look at the standings. Actually, it's probably easier to do it. So I already have four teams that are seven wins and above. Playoff teams, right? So we got four spots left. Um, Strom is the only six-win team. And, and then let me do some quick glancing right here. Richens one. So Brad and Jay play each other. What I'm looking for right here is um, records of the five and five teams and the four and six teams to see who's in must win and whether or not we're going to get a six win playoff team. And in fact, I'm going to press pause while I do the math right here just for the sake of not taking forever. Okay. Didn't come out as cleanly as I hoped, but <clears throat> uh, part remains the same. Uh, pretty much anybody who's four to six is in a must win. This week, so that's kind of your big thing to watch right here. Um, I guess we'll just circle back on narratives from last week, or we'll start with the four and six teams. So, number one, um, Richens um, has a very tall order of, of beating Devin this week. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he uh, blew it against Joss last week, as I already talked about, you know, and he's obviously his projections are really high. Um, he does have. A lot of the, uh, well, he gets he's so heavy on the on the Falcons and everything. Now he's got the Falcons back, which is 
helpful. So if the Falcons have a good day, you know, I'll have a chance. And we'll see right here with uh, Michael Thomas, who we've already talked about right here. But we'll see how Michael Thomas does with the Mr. Uh, Taysom Hill um, back there. I think, yeah, I think Josh is on the shed. He's got 10 total completed passes in the NFL. You know, um, wide running back, fantasy football from really legend, Taysom Hill. But we'll kind of see what happens with him um, and how that goes for Tyler. So interesting to watch right here to see if, if Tyler kind of flounders out right here. It'll be... Kind of, um, I guess crazy. I guess crazy that yeah, Tyler and Taylor have kind of fallen um, this far after kind of how they started the year, where everybody's expectations of them were going to be. Uh, moving on right here to Dan. Um, so he's the team that plays Josh this week, Mister Spoiler. Um, talked about Dan before. He kind of yeah. So speaking of Drew Brees, obviously. He got hosed a little bit by the Drew Brees injury last week, or he probably wouldn't be in this situation. And I guess really, you know, there's not a lot to say about this other than um, looks like he's going to go with Phil Rivers right here. I'm not going to get down to like the, the nitty gritty um, matchup review right here. I guess that's just the narrative. I guess that's just so hard to predict anyway. Um, but I do want to just quick glance at a couple things. Right here. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll just kind of see. You know, Josh has been playing really well lately. You know, he's got his team. Um, as he's building towards the future, as I already said, he's, they've really gone and run with this spoiler mentality. You know, and he's got everybody, you know, playing well as they're looking toward the future. As he's been getting, you know, good reps for his young guys, getting some good experience. And, and it's really paying off for him. So so we'll see if, if yeah, this is basically a, a pre-playoff game for um for anybody who's four and six, yeah. So Tyler and Danny, you know, we're facing elimination right here, and yeah, always get a good experience to get for your team <laughs> if, uh, to play in these kind of games. Anyway, moving on. So then, let's see. Is there any more? And then Jace plays me. Um, Jace, the last four and six team. Um, what can I say about Jace? Well, if if you know, apparently, if Dalvin Cook shows up, it doesn't matter what Jace does, and you know, theoretically, it should have a bye this week. As the metric of whether or not your team is good versus if you would beat me on a week-to-week basis. Um, looking like Jace probably should in this situation. As I already mentioned before, as I looked at it, you know, he does have some good pieces. Um, obviously, he's got Lockett, um, who already played, who had a decent day. Um, Juju, Omari Cooper, you know, so they're like, you know, technically wide receiver one guys on their team. And they've, we've seen them good in the past. It kind of goes back to that same argument or same kind of point that I brought up earlier with uh Julio and Michael Thomas and everything that way he's got a lot of those kind of pieces too where it's like you know obviously know they're capable uh, of having huge days whether or not they haven't over the last while I guess both of them I mean Amari's kind of hindered by the Cowboys quarterback so that's a little bit different than Juju's kind of been interesting over the last couple years after he kind of exploded into the league but you know we'll see what happens I did want to thought it was interesting as I looked at our matchup um, the battle of the tight ends right here as we got Johnny Smith and Darren Waller on my side versus Mark Andrews and Eric Ebron. You know, I, th- I would pull it up and look at it, but I know that those are um, a lot of, the, I think, four of the top ten. I, I think Ebron's up there too. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, just a very tight end heavy matchup right here. And what is arguably the um, shallowest position this year, um, it's just been really rough to get tight ends. I've personally been spoiled 
with kind of how it's worked out a little bit, but it is very really inconsistent um, this year. Uh, yeah, and then speaking of Josh, yeah, he sent me a text this week with the stat that Darren Waller, who was tight end two right now, would be like wide receiver 34 uh, overall this year, which is crazy. You know, that's a big gap. Um, not normally that gap, especially when you think about, obviously I've already talked about it already, how you like um, tie it back into like how we rank players and everything that way. I mean, obviously Kelsey was a first round pick or first round weighted pick. Um, Andrews was up there too. Uh, Waller was up there too, you know, and then Jared Cook, you know, he's he's up there, different different guys. But it seems like, yeah, they, they can be, you know, um, a really good, really good piece to have and, and roll forward, especially since the position typically is shallow, but it feels like even the better players this year haven't been performing super well as far as tight ends go. It's just kind of like an NFL trend more than anything. But interesting, interesting stuff. So anyway, <clears throat> that's just something to watch on the four and six guys. So we got three elimination games. For them, and then a couple of interesting matchups right here. Um, where do I want to start first? Who else have I not already talked about that? Um, I guess, yeah, Brad and Jay. I guess the I guess the game that doesn't theoretically matter, I'll throw that right here quick since it's you know pretty much done. Taylor versus Jason. Jason's already in by a mile. Taylor's already out by a mile. You know, so what can you do? What can you do? So too bad it's too bad you know i guess for taylor it's too bad and especially since taylor could really you know he's projected to really blow this one out and and win and that you know what we want to talk about frustrating that's what that's kind of stuff that'll be frustrating um what else do we got right here um jay and brad so this one will be interesting they both need to win they're both on the cusp you know the 500 so they're above a little bit better off they need two wins over the next three weeks to really really get set um, I know Jay plays me next week, I think. Um, I don't want to double-check right now. But, yeah. And, and, you know, Brad's been one of the better teams um, over the last couple of games. Um, he lucked out a, a little bit. Yeah, last week. Or yesterday. Yeah, last week with Jay, so as I already mentioned. So, you know, whether or not they make the playoffs could come down to this game. Um, especially Jay, you know, because, you know, like, like I've already mentioned before in the podcast, Jay's team is a little <clears throat> atypical and everything that way. So it'll be kind of interesting to see if he gets it or not versus Brad um, or if he gets to seven wins. Uh, I think he'll get one against me, easy, but then he does need to get one other one. And could he do it this week against Brad at a 5-5 five and five team? It'll be, it'll be interesting. Let's see. He already had Kenny and Drake play, which is good for Jay. And Jordan Hicks, but Brad doesn't have anybody yet. So just something to watch. It should be an interesting one. Uh, Brad's got a lot of interesting pieces as well. Um, I guess that's the thing is when I look down these lists, um, like, like why I'm even avoiding doing like the, the matchup side by side. I, I feel like this year, um, compared to years in the past, especially like when we used to do the podcast, um, we, we could go through this and you could kind of map it out and break it down. Like this person's probably going to have a good day. This person, you know, could have a good day versus the matchup or whatever. Um, and just kind of do it like that. But it seems like maybe just kind of how the NFL has gone or just kind of, you know, just kind of, this is just kind of piggybacks on what I just said about tight ends. It just feels like, um, there's a lot less consistency in game to game, especially in fantasy, um, in general. And everything that way, so it's just kind of a funny, 
Uh, I guess not really fun. It's just kind of a hard thing to kind of try and predict um, like that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens if that makes sense. But yeah, so, you know, Brad's obviously got some pieces, but it was, as always, it's all going to come down to the almighty power of the matchups and whether or not um, how it kind of shakes out. It is kind of interesting right here as I look at this. Um, the biggest difference in this game is that a Mr., if you want to talk about inconsistency, Mr. Tom Brady, right here for Jay, <clears throat> plays on Monday. Um, Brad does have Chris Godwin, so it could counteract it a little bit. But that's one, one of the big things with Jay, too, is that um, Tom Brady, speaking of being bipolar, let's just click on Tom Brady right here. Um, depending on what Tom Brady shows up, let's see. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, this is ridiculous. All right, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'm just going to read these scores. Uh, so starting week four, I can't remember when I got when I traded him to Jay. But anyway, I think well, I think week four is when I had him. Um, Forty points week four versus the Chargers, then fifteen points versus the Bears, eighteen versus Green Bay, forty-five versus the Raiders, twenty-three versus the Giants, then two versus New Orleans in that game they were, where he looked horrible, you know. And it's like, all right, now we're back to back to being terrible. And then last week he had 35, 37. So yeah, you know, Tom Brady. Which Tom Brady is going to show up? The Tom Brady that just gets a bunch of touchdowns or the Tom Brady that's more like the game manager or the Tom Brady that just looks like he, he should have retired already. So I guess I'm going to say that's going to be the biggest difference in this one. Um, yeah. Probably should have been the game of the week on that one. But there is podcast. I guess actually not. There's another one I want to talk about. To, I guess, before that one... Um, Nathan and Landon. Landon's got a tall task right here, too, because Nathan's got a very good team. And Landon already had um, somebody disappoint, it looks like. Um, let's see. Jamal Adams. Yeah. Uh, and who else? Nathan got a bunch of people. Buda Baker. Um, anyway, yeah, this one should be interesting. You know, it's projected to be close. Maxwell going to be reliant a lot on, on the Packers and the Rams. Um, surprised? No. But we'll kind of see how it goes. Both of these teams are really good. I guess that's the thing that's crazy about Landon. You know, I've already talked about it at length. He's really been bitten by the injury bug, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how it all turns around. I think this is Nick Chubb's first week back as I look at it. I'm clicking on Nick Chubb's name. So that could be good if Landon um, gets him back in time right here. Um, let's see. What the, I guess he would play last week. Yeah, 18 points last week. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good piece to have back. Um, as we're moving into the playoffs right here, and that is something I guess we always I've always said this on the podcast. This is right around when it gets colder, we see another spike in running back play. So I think I would even say this isn't just me ranting again. I think part of fantasy success. Um, is determined by, um, I, I mean, this is like adding on to my, my first five picks, you know, belief or, or argument. But I think part of it as well as, as being a team that has enough to go the distance is getting healthy running backs who are, you know, I guess putting up really good numbers by, <clears throat> I'll say, let's just say like week 10, and forward. Obviously, that's when the playoffs come. That's when typically wide receivers take a dip. And if you have healthy running backs that are, you know, going to start performing well into the colder, 
weeks and everything that way, that tends to translate really well into the fantasy playoffs, obviously. So, so yeah, there's good hope for Maxwell. Maybe Maxwell's got enough um, now getting everybody healthy back to, to move forward, but that's just kind of the, the game you have to play. So we'll see. We'll see. Nathan's obviously got some really good pieces. He's, a, he's in, so, you know, I'm not going to really talk a lot about Nathan because there's not a lot to talk about as far as the, the playoffs go. And anyway, right here, that leads us to the last matchup I wanted to talk about, the game of the week. Ain't no way you got to stop this sickness from the deepest, darkest part of misery cycle. I must get so get your chips, he's digging me A-B-S-O-L-U-T-E-P-O-W-F-R-C. Me clowning, look at all you play, I hate us frowning. Raw, God said, kill them all. Text backs to the wall. Fighting for my life and I'm a bust back to the ball. And I ain't even slinging them things. I'm hollering 187 if you're tripping with strange. I'm really real. Um, versus Alex, you know, Strom already had Russell Wilson play decent day. Um, also had DJ Metcalf who dropped a TD. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, <clears throat> Carlos Dunlap, you know, a big day for defensive lineman Bobby Wender. It's almost like Strom has too many freaking Seahawks on his team. But, you know, whatever, to each its own. You know, got a solid 60 points out of it. But is it going to be enough? That is the real question right here. I obviously want Strom to lose. I would prefer that Alex does, work, does well. And let's see, what running backs is Strom going to start this week? Oh, Kamara Mike Davis. And is he playing... Oh, who's his way? Oh, Le'Veon Bell. We are just, just diving right into the curse. Strom is actively going to play Le'Veon Bell. But I know he was there actually talking earlier this week about whether or not um, Rashad Penny... Well, I guess obviously not Rashad Penny now because he already played. Um, but uh, I'm looking at Eckler right here. Um, yeah, Eckler's not going to play this week. All right, so yeah, that's why he's rolling with Bell. So, yeah, so Strom is going to just dig right in into this Le'Veon Bell curse and see how it goes. So I've, if Bell has a horrible day, I hope it causes Strom to lose and this this thing just takes a life of its own. You know, am I trying to force a narrative on the podcast? Probably. Is it, is it going to be worth it? I think so. But, you know, Alex has a good team. Let's not overlook that. He's obviously in the playoffs already um, and got some good pieces. Um, we got some interesting pieces. I guess as I look at his team, you know, just back to that same thing I just said about, you know, consistently, like, he's got <clears throat> Deshaun Watson. But as I go through his team, like, especially on offense, there's, like, nothing that really jumps out as, like, glaring or just, like, somebody that's, like, oh, yeah, that that's somebody that, like, the whole entire league would be, like, actively trade-seeking, you know, which is just kind of interesting how it all has kind of shaking out um yeah i mean he's starting alexander madison as as his flex you know so we'll kind of see how that goes for him um and yeah um he's got a good defense though you know that's been something that's, that's translated well to for him this year so yeah it'll be interesting i obviously really hope that that Alex wins um yeah and then that's gonna really muddy the water moving here over the last couple weeks but well, I just had to wait and see. Just had to wait and see. So, um, yeah, it's really going to take a fall for Strom to really not make the playoffs right here, which would just make things really crazy. So, and I'm off for the drama. Strom, the only 6 and 14 left in the league this year. So, we'll kind of have to see what happens with him. But anyway, that's that. Um, I actually had to split this up because I uh, got called into the, some work stuff um, yesterday. So, this is actually Friday or Saturday afternoon, um, as I'm recording this, getting prepped to watch Utah play tonight. I'm about to throw this pod up right here. Got a nice jazz discussion going on in the chat. 
Um, but yeah, I won't dig into that because I already said I wasn't going to talk about the NBA, even though then just as I said in the podcast, I was we had a giant NBA discussion in the league chat. Um, but it is what it is. So, so anyway, uh, good luck to everybody this week. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of all how it all shakes out. Probably should have some more discussion about the stuff I brought up at the beginning of the pod as far as like the lead goes. I'll, I'll get it more formalized. Probably do it. I'd like to do it in the Facebook group. I think it's maybe we can just discuss it. It's easier to digest, I think, in, uh, on the Facebook page than it is um, in the league chat. Um, I guess a lot of the back and forth in the league chat is good, you know, and it's easy to kind of like get develop ideas. But uh, as far as like keeping track of what's been said and keeping track of of what exactly we're trying to accomplish and propose, I think it needs to be done on the Facebook page. But I'll take care of that probably over the next couple of weeks to make it really kind of map it out a little bit so we can get a clear idea about the direction we're going to move forward um, into next season um, before the season ends. I think it's a good idea. It's a good time to do it. But anyway, yeah, good luck to everyone this week. You all suck at fantasy. I hope everybody does miserable. And um, especially Strom, you know, is what it is. But yeah. Good luck to everybody. I'm really gonna be really disappointed if Utah loses tonight after all this, all this wait. So um, next week's pod is gonna depend on whether or not I, I have enough college football focus to to really get excited about the podcast or not. So see ya.